Good afternoon and welcome to Everyday Law. I'm your host, Bob Clark. As always, the commentary that's offered on this show does not reflect the views of Howard County Community College. And insofar as we discuss legal issues, we are not giving legal advice. If you need legal advice, please go to a lawyer and speak to them about your problem. Today, we have a prominent member of the legal community on our show, someone whom I gained acquaintanceship with long ago when he was a defense lawyer and I was pursuing cases back in the day. (laughs) But he is better known, I think, to the students at Howard Community College and the public here in Howard County as our county executive, Alan Kittleman. Welcome to the show, Alan. It's very nice to be with you, Bob. Thank you for inviting me. Alan is a graduate of Atherton High School, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and the University of Maryland Law School. He gained my esteem long ago because he defended cases and he was a humane and nice guy about it. Oh my gosh. I know, I know. (laughs) I was always the bad guy in workers' comp cases because I was representing the employer. You were, (laughs) but the difference was that you were not mean-spirited about it and you tried to be fair to the injured people and I think that's carried over into your subsequent political Well, I will tell you, I I started with a firm called Smith's Armville and Case and a gentleman named Al Porth was the leader of our section of workers' compensation, and Al Porth was one of the ones that helped write the law. And he was a great mentor for me because he taught me early on as a very young lawyer, my job was not to stop someone from getting benefits. My job was to make sure they got the benefits they deserved. And that's a great point of view to have from a defense side. So many times we would tell insurance companies, you should pay this person. There's no reason for us to go to court. This person deserves what they should get. Now, we thought they shouldn't, then we would fight it. But I think it helped a lot to have that kind of relationship with the, with the plaintiff bar. So. It helped a lot with the commissioners, too, that I had a six or so year stint as a defense lawyer. And one of the things that I received credit for is precisely what you've described, that I tried to be fair to people. If they were entitled to benefits, I didn't want to deprive them and their family of the benefits on some technicality. And that worked very well and also subsequently helped me in the ensuing 30 years where I've worked as a plaintiff's attorney. And also, it's very important to have a good relationship with the other attorneys because like in workers' comp, as folks may not know, but we, it's mostly administrative agency hearings, and you'd have 10 a day, and the next day you're going to have 10 more, and you're going to see the same people you just had yesterday, and there's no reason to treat them poorly, and the same thing true with me. So, I mean, there'd be times we had private investigators who would give us reports showing that somebody was working when they said they couldn't work, and most of the time, if there's a, a plan of attorney that I've dealt with a lot, I'd say, hey, you might want to talk to me before we go to this hearing. <laughs> and, you know, but you have that kind of back and forth, and that helps a lot, because then you get the right result, not not trying to stop somebody. Well, I think it would be nice if we could do a road show and impart that to all the lawyers <laughs> in the state of Maryland presently because yeah. that, that school of thought doesn't seem to be the prevailing yeah. one. Don't fight it, just to fight it. There's a number of topics that I wanted to chat with you a little bit about, and one of them that I was kind of unaware of before until I served on a grand jury here in the county mm-hmm. was the extent of the opioid crisis in Howard County. And yep. it's something obviously you have great familiarity with, unfortunately. Yep. yep. That's no question. We do. Um, Howard County is not immune from that crisis. We have a great place to live. Don't get me wrong. We have a tremendous community here. But, you know, we have, uh, I think last year there was about 50, I think it was 57 deaths. Oh, my Lord. Opioid deaths. We had like over 225 or 30 total overdoses. You know, some are non-fatal, of course. So we've done a lot to try to work with our health department, with our police department, our fire department, making sure that our first responders are all trained in Narcan, because out of the non-fatal overdoses, which is well over 150 or more, 90% of those are because of Narcan. 
So we probably would have lost almost 100 more people had we not had that Narcan available. Could you explain what yeah. Narcan is sure. and how it's administered and that yeah. sort of thing, please? It's, it's, naloxone is the name, and they call it Narcan. I guess it's a, it's a brand of it. But um, it, it's basically it's a, something you can use through their nose. You, they, I've been trained, and we're trying to get all Howard County employees trained in this because you never know when you might come across somebody who needs to be traveled with that. So if you, if you face somebody who is going through uh, – uh, an opioid crisis who has had cardiac arrest maybe in some ways that are not, not responding. It's basically like a little tube that you can just spray some uh, of the medicine into their nose and it'll revive them. And it's amazing. It'll happen very quickly. And it brings them back. And then you'd have to make sure, of course, that they get treatment after that. But we made sure now that uh, all of our public safety uh, responders have been trained. A lot of our employees have been trained. We now have been working with Aetna Foundation, the insurance company, who is providing us with Narcan to have in every public building in Howard County. And there was a great story that happened the day we announced it, is there was a deputy sheriff who was at the circuit court, and there was a gentleman who overdosed at the circuit court. Oh, my Lord. And it was just outside the door, and the deputy sheriff knew that our sheriff, Bill McMahon, great credit to Bill McMahon, he made sure that they had Narcan in their public safety areas there, What you know, where I had the AEDs if someone has a cardiac arrest. Now we also have Narcan there, and he already had a Narcan there before we had started this program. The deputy sheriff knew it and went inside, had someone go inside, grab it. They brought it out. He knew how to administer it because he'd been trained. He saved that person's life. That's fantastic. Isn't it? It's amazing. So, But but it's a big deal. we got to make sure we have folks that can deal with uh, how we respond, but we also have to work on prevention. We've been doing public service announcements about that at the movie theaters and others. There are a lot of young people who can be great role models for what they've gone through and, 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 and where they are now. But it's important also, I think, that folks realize that this is not a young person's epidemic. Uh, this affects every age, affects every income. You know, if we look in Howard County and they give me the, the, the locations where people have overdosed and they go by zip code, every zip code in Howard County have overdoses. It's not like it's just in one area of Howard County. In the areas that you might consider more affluent, they have overdoses there as well. And so, uh, and it's also, it doesn't affect, it's not like it's a black person or white person or Asian. I mean, they're all affected. So uh, we really need to, to focus on a, a total uh, working on this. And the big deal now is for us to find a detox center. We don't have one in Howard County. Uh, we had an opioid summit about a year and a half ago. And that was one thing that jumped out at me. We don't have a place for people who are in Howard County who are suffering through this crisis to go in Howard County. They have to go outside of our county. And so we're working with some private companies and others, and we're trying to figure out how best we can get a facility, a detox center, along with a inpatient rehabilitation center here in Howard County. Now, is that something that someone would get sent to Howard County General, or would they go to Montgomery County, or where would they typically go if they had a problem? Well, if they have a problem and it's an emergency, of course, they might go to the emergency room first, but you know, they need to go somewhere. They can spend that 24 hours, 36 hours, 48 hours to detox, and then go get tr- treatment. And so uh, there are places throughout the state that have that right now. We just don't have it in Howard County. And so right now, if someone would have to go to another another jurisdiction. And uh, I just don't think that's right. And you know, the problem, of course, uh, is that nobody wants it in their backyard. That's what, you know, the nimbyism, they call it. Sure. Uh, but we need to find a place in Howard County where we have that. And if, it's a, if Howard County citizens are, are dying and they're going through this crisis, we need to have those services available to them in Howard County. And I also want to put a shout out to Grassroots. They've been helping us, the Grassroots Crisis Innovation Center. They've been kind of the place to go to, if, if you're know someone who's in crisis, there's a number you call, and they'll help you find that place right now until we get one in Howard County. It's also a little bit of a unique problem because it's not something that's an illegal drug, but in fact, it's something that has been routinely prescribed across the country. Well, it, it starts that way a lot. I mean, it certainly has started with people using oxycodone or something. And, you know, we were talking earlier about workers' compensation. 
when I was practicing, that's a lot of times we would have people who had had work injuries and they get addicted to the opioid medicine. And then it turns out then their prescriptions go away because the doctors don't get them. And then you go to heroin. Oh, Lord. And so that's the real problem. So there are so there, there may be some legal, but there's also a lot of illegal because it seems like a lot of people gra- gravitate toward heroin after they uh, stop being able to get the prescription medication. So it's, it's just very difficult right now, and, and it's something that, that I think about an awful lot. Uh, but I appreciate the work that Dr. Rossman, our health department, uh, Ryan Miller, who is our, our Office of Emergency Management Director, you know, Governor Hogan calling it an emergency in Maryland has helped a lot, getting us more resources. So I think we're working well together. We don't know how bad it would have been. Sure. You know, 57 deaths is terrible. We don't know if it had been more had we not been doing what we're doing. But clearly, uh, we have a long way to go. So another area of concern to the legal community, and I think to the public yeah. as a whole, is the courthouse situation yeah. in Howard mm-hmm. County. Would you talk a little bit about that situation and thoughts you might have on how to make things better? Well, it's funny because uh, when I took – actually, when I was on the county council before I was a uh, state senator and then county executive, uh, there was talk of getting a new courthouse in Howard County. You know, I practiced in pretty much every jurisdiction in Maryland, and our courthouse is probably one of the worst. Uh, very difficult. We, we're not large enough. We, ha- we don't have jury rooms. We don't have – you know – you know, what someone's told me that the judges are walking in the same hallways as the folks who are in criminal defense being being charged, uh, that we don't have very good technology there because it's an old building. We don't have a place for, you know, victims to be as so they won't be near the person who has maybe assaulted them. And so we need to do something better. When I was a kid and I'll. I'll go back to my days as a kid. Uh, our courthouse had everything. They had the state's attorney in there. They had the public defender in there. They had the sheriff's department in there. They had land records in there. You could go everything in one stop. Now they're all over the county. It's something that's been kicked down the road for 20 years or more. And I made a commitment when I was elected that I was going to fix that. And so we've worked with the county council. I appreciate their support on this. And we're doing a public-private partnership. We have put out the RFP. We did some What interviews. is an RFP? Okay, request for proposal. Uh, we've, we've actually were interviewing and, and took some expressions of interest from some folks. Uh, but we narrowed it down to three groups that we have decided that those would be the best three to give us a bid. And so now they're reviewing the request for proposals we put out there. Our goal is to have the uh, courthouse built and be ready by, I think, 2021. The location is right where 108 hits 29. If you are on 108 and you go east of 29, you'll see a Wendy's. It's called Bendix Road there. I know it. If you turn down Bendix Road right now, the Dorsey building is there. It's an older building. We're going to tear that building down, and we're going to build a courthouse back there. And that way, it'll be a central place right off of Route 29. But I really believe this is not something that's for the lawyers. Some people say, oh, you're just doing this for the lawyers. This is for the citizens and the businesses of Howard County. It's for the public. It is for the public. And, and we need to make sure every citizen has the right to have a trial if they need one. Every business has the right to have a trial. I talked to Judge Gelfman, who, frankly, is a star through all this. Judge Gelfman has been tremendously supportive, our chief judge in, in Howard County. And she— um, she tells me, you know, you could wait a couple years to get a case sometimes because we just don't have the ability to get things done. And so uh, this is going to be really good. And I also think it's going to be good for Ellicott City because the current courthouse is historic and the historic part of Ellicott City. We can maybe use that for something else in the future to bring more tourism to Ellicott City. And I think it could be a really a win-win for everyone in the county. Now, this is just the circuit court we're talking about. It wouldn't affect the whereabouts of the district court, correct? Right. The district court currently, it's, it's state controls the district court completely. And so, no, they're not ready to move that. They'll probably want to do something maybe sometime in the future. Uh, but fortunately, where we're building the, the circuit court is a large area of land. I think it's 25 acres that we own there. So there might be a possibility someday if the state wanted to to build a, circ, a district court next to the circuit court. That's possible. I know a lot of jurisdictions have that, like, like Prince sure. George's County and others. But, um, but right now, the district court is, is fine where it is. 
Prince George's County, they're in the same building. They are. Highly they convenient. Are. It's very it's like going to an airport terminal or something. It's, you walk like into there. Yeah. Airport terminal. I was funny. I was in the courthouse, and you know, it's the closest one to my home. Mm-hmm. And I went to go to the law library not long ago, mm-hmm. and it has disappeared. It's now sort of a little – and I always kind of – you have to go through the back, and the yeah. librarians were lovely yeah. people, and they, they knew me from my labors there, and now mm-hmm. it's – poof, it's gone. Yeah, no, don't need the libraries as much anymore when you got everything on your computer. So. So is this something that is in the budget going forward? Oh, yes. It- no, it's already been approved by the county council, and it's a public-private partnership because it's going to cost about 100 and, 130 or $140 million, and you know, we certainly couldn't afford that in our budget in one year. Sure. And so what we've done is we basically have done a public-private partnership where we, we think we'll get about half of it will be private financing, half will be public financing. The experts are helping us decide exactly what that number would be, but I, I think it's going to be a really good thing for us because what will happen then is whoever is selected to build it, they'll also will be maintaining it for 30 years. So we'll be basically paying a lease. And then after that 30 years is over, we will own it. But because they will be maintaining it, then we know that they will have to keep it up. Now, I hate to say it, in government, a lot of the government buildings, that's the first thing that you cut when you're looking at your budget, maintenance. Our courthouse, after 30 years, we're going to have as nice a courthouse as when we started because that will be part of the deal for them to get their payments is to keep it maintained and have HVAC and everything else updated. Also helps with the budgeting going forward, the constancy of it. Instead of having to fix everything yourself and encounter mm. design features mm. that didn't work as well as you'd like and that yeah. sort of thing. It's going to be a really good thing. Like I say, now we'll have the state's attorneys in the same location. Uh, you know, so someone who needs a victim assistance, they'll have that person there in the courthouse instead of them saying, oh, yeah, you can go down three, three miles over here. You can go talk to the victim coordinator. No, the victim coordinator is going to be there with them in the courthouse. Howard County will come completely into the 20th century. I hope so. I hope so. It's, and, but, you know, it's, it's, people have told me, Alan, that's not something you want to run on. You don't want to run on, you, uh, you know, no one thinks, hey, courthouse is a great idea. But you know what? It's something our community needed, and it's worth fighting for because it's the right thing to do. So I know you have some other interesting ideas about efforts to bring together social services that people require, and not, not merely public social services, but private ones. Could you mm-hmm. discourse on that just a little bit? Well, when I was running for office, I met with some folks from the Association of Community Services, which is kind of like the umbrella of our nonprofits in Howard County. And uh, they, they mentioned to me that for years, and they said up to 20 years, they've been trying to put together what we call at the time a nonprofit center. Because our nonprofits are scattered throughout Howard County, and they thought it would be really nice if we could have one area where all the nonprofits or, or some of the nonprofits could be put together so people could stop at several at one time instead of having to go all over the place. And so I, I said – I'm surprised we haven't done that earlier than this. And so we uh, started working together after I got elected. Uh, we put support behind it. Again, I thank the county council for uh, approving it in the budget I submitted that we'd have some money to help them subsidize some of the rents for people to go to this, what's now called the nonprofit collaborative. And if you know where Snowden River Parkway hits Broken Land Parkway, if you go straight across, it's called Patuxent Woods. So there's a building there now. It's a nonprofit collaborative. Uh, we have our housing commissioners there, which is a private entity. It's not a public entity. Uh, we have... Uh, Hope Works, which is our domestic violence sexual assault uh, center there. And we also have many other nonprofits in that same location. So if you have to go deal with housing or domestic abuse or sexual abuse, or you have some individuals with intellectual or developmental disabilities and others, they're all located in the same location. And so when we did that, we started thinking, you know, well, they're all here together now. 
We have a lot of human services in Howard County. We have the Department of Social Services, which is run by the state. We have the Community Action Council. We have the Howard County Community Resources and Services Department. We have the Housing Department. We have the Office of Human Rights. Uh, And we said, you know what? Maybe we should try to get them all together. And so because of the courthouse, that kind of started things moving here. And knowing that we're going to move people out of certain areas, we said, you know, Let's think about this. So we have arranged to have a community resources campus in the same place where the nonprofit collaborative is now. We have arranged that the Department of Social Services, which is a fairly large department dealing with a lot of human service needs in Howard County, they're actually going to rent two buildings back there, two whole buildings. And that'll be a place for people to come and get their social service needs. But we're also going to have the Community Action Council, which is a private entity, but does an awful lot of helping with those in poverty in Howard County, which we have way too many and way more than people might think in Howard County, uh, and also run our food bank. The food bank won't be there, but their offices will be there. So if you need energy assistance or for other issues, you can go to them. And then we're going to have, like I say, our Department of Community Resources and Services, which is the county department that deals with human services, are all going to be in the same place. So what would be so great about that is if you're at Hope Works because you have a domestic violence issue and you say, but you know what, I'm having a problem with housing. Well, the housing commission is right next door. Or, you know, I, I, need to go, I need to talk to social services about getting some child support. Well, it's across the parking lot. And we have public transit going there. So I just think this is the way to make things happen. And the one thing I try to explain to people, Bob, is that my dad was a single father. And back in the 60s, it was very unusual of his father take the children, but he took all three children. And even though he had the means that maybe some don't have today, I could see the stress on him. Oh, Raising three kids, working all day. He was involved in politics, someone in the civil rights movement a lot. And, but he'd be doing all these different things. How in the world does he get things done? And how can he have time to spend with me to make sure I get my homework done? And that's the same thing is true with people in Howard County. So if we can find a place for them to be able to go get all the services they need, then it's my goal and my hope is that then they'll have more time to spend with their kids. Because I think a parent in the house with a child is the best thing you can have. Amen to that. So I know this may sound, why haven't people thought of this before? I guess that's what I'm trying to ask. It it seems so logical. I scratched my head when they told me during the campaign. And and what we've heard now since then is that other jurisdictions in Maryland are looking at us saying, whoa, maybe we should think about doing this. And and I want to, again, thank Governor Hogan and the Department of Human Resources, which the Department of Social Services falls under, them working with us because that that's they had to move from where they are now they're at the gateway location right now which is not a terrible place but it's not centered to everything else sure so but they've agreed to move and then we're working with them we also put some money in our budget to help them move so it's been a real collaborative effort between us and the state uh, and and the private nonprofits i mean it's an example of how it's supposed to work you know let's let's try to work together instead of talking about let's do it it's nice to see Howard County have leadership on such things. I agree. A lot I of agree. people tend to think of us as a wealthy county. On the other hand, mm. there's a lot of disadvantaged people. And if you could make their lives easier, it seems to me that would be a great thing. Well, it brings up, uh, we also have an issue of homelessness here in Howard County. And people, again, Howard County homelessness? Well, every year they do a, a one point where they, they count how many homeless we have in Howard County. They try to get as many as they can. And I think we're up to about you know, 280, 290 people who are homeless in Howard County. Uh, and so I was very pleased that this is an initiative that started before I took office. So I don't want to take all credit for it, uh, but we kept it going. And it just opened up this year or late last year uh, is Leola Dorsey Community Resource Center, which is actually 35 efficiency apartments for homeless. And they're not temporary. If you get in there, which we're now full right now, but if you're in there, you don't have to worry about, I'm going to be out in three months. You're there as long as you comply with everything, make sure. So you can go find a job, so you can go take what courses you might need to do. And so Grassroots runs the first floor, which deals with, provides medical attention, provides counseling, provides job training, provides all these different things. And they live upstairs on the second and third floor. 
And so our goal and my vision for that is to make sure these folks have what they need so they don't have to worry about where I'm going to put my head tomorrow. Or where they'll put their kids' heads. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think kids are here. I think it's mostly for people without kids. But the point being is they worry so much about where I'm going to sleep tomorrow. Well, now they don't worry about that. You don't worry about that. You got showers. And also, this is a location where those who aren't able to stay in the 35 units can come and get showers if they want. They can get drop chain if they want. So it's basically a center for people other than those who just live there. But again, that's an example of what Howard County is trying to do to make it different. And we named it after Leola Dorsey, who was an icon in Howard County. She was actually a member of the Board of Trustees for the Howard Community College at one time and also on the Hospital Foundation Board. Uh, So a real leader. She was one of the, uh, I think she was the second president of the Howard County NAACP. My dad said when he met her, she was the first African-American he ever shook hands with. And she was a very close friend of our family, and she lived in the Guilford area. So we wanted to remember her by naming this because it's only about a mile and a half from where she lived. That's a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. So is it something that could be expanded upon or? Maybe someday, but I, I probably not in that location. Maybe we'd look for somewhere else, another location. But I guess the goal we have is to, is to eliminate homelessness itself and not even have to have a place like this. But if we can continue to find ways in which we can give people the treatment they need, because a lot of times it is the opioid issue. Sure. Uh, and, and I think what's so important that people need to realize is, and I think some people who you know, are harsher, they think you know, they're in that because of their own fault. Well, it's not their own fault. You know, I, I sometimes help with the cold weather shelter we have here in Howard County, where a lot of churches and other organizations help the homeless during the winter months to make sure they have places to stay. So my church takes a week a year, and we make sure that people have a place to stay and get showers or whatever every evening. And, um, and I've talked to people, and I talked to a woman one time with her son, and the reason they were homeless was because her husband got a medical crisis, and they had to lose everything to pay for his bills. And then he died, but they were broke. And she was going to HCC. Her son was going to HCC. They're living out of their car. And it wasn't because she was a drug addict. It wasn't because she was a criminal. It was because they had a medical crisis in their family. So people need to realize homelessness isn't something that is caused because you've done something wrong. It could just be unfortunate luck. And I think when people understand that, they have a bigger heart to try to help it. Is there something we can do in Howard County going forward to help people who were confronted with the circumstances such as the woman you described, where the medical bills overwhelm them and that sort of thing? Well, I would encourage people to, to, to go and see Vita Dayhoff at the Community Action Council. They work an awful lot with people who maybe need to have their energy bills paid or other things or have food. So there are a lot of organizations, but I think that, that, that Vita does a great job. I mean, Grassroots certainly is the crisis center for Howard County. A lot of people who are going through crisis go there and stay there, and that's where they have some folks with families who would go there. So, and, you know, I would just talk to them and see how, how maybe you could be involved, how you could volunteer or help financially. It's a funny thing that you brought up, Beta, because I was her son's Cub Scout and Boy Scout leader long really? ago. And uh, she's, been, she's been great to work with. I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know her very well. I knew her before I became county executive, but, you know, we now have that, a really nice food bank here in Howard County, and it's her leadership to help us get that. So what do you think going forward? You're going to be looking, I presume, at another term at some point in time. I am running for re-election next, this year now. Yeah. Well, congratulations on yeah. that. Um, what are the issues that we haven't touched on that you think are important to consider for your re-election campaign? And I mean the issues that will confront you or whomever you were opposed in the election cycle to. Well, I mean, th- I mean there are a lot of things that we continue on going. I mean – the, the airport crisis is going to continue. Dealing with human service needs. We have something called 24-7, which is our, uh, it's called Achieve 24-7. Um, and it's really designed to help young preschool-aged kids be ready for school and their families. And sort kind of, of a goes, Head Start-like thing? Kind of like that. I mean, we certainly work with Head Start, which, sure. uh, which, which Peter Dayhoff and, and Community Action Council help run in Howard County. But, I mean, 
I see that our school system is tremendous in higher education. There's no question about it. So when our kids get to the schools, they have tremendous education. They have tremendous uh, resources there. But again, going back to the fact that I was raised by a single father, I know that from preschool that, that there are students that need things there as well. And so we've been working with the school system to figure out how we as a county can maybe provide resources to families and to kids who are younger to make sure they're ready for school. Something has come up recently. It's called Ready Rosie. And I love this. Uh, it's from a, a Texas company that we have actually purchased a subscription in Howard County. So anyone who lives in Howard County, if, as long as the zip code's in Howard County, they can sign up for this free. And what it is, it basically gives someone who maybe want to say, hey, what can I do with my preschooler to help them learn uh, the vocabulary, help them learn about counting? And, and they're very short two-minute videos, and they just give you an idea of when you're walking around the house, you're doing things around the house, here's what you could do with your kids. And so I actually did a video with a couple kids, and it was, you know, has some blocks. Let's talk about counting. Let's use the word, what is how much, and start talking about different vocabulary. So, so that's something we provide free for everyone who lives in Howard County because we want to make sure parents have the ability, because someone told me this once before, parents are the first and best teacher for their kids. And now I love teachers. My wife's a teacher. My daughter's a teacher. I was going to be a teacher before I went to law school. But still, no one can beat that parent. And if you provide the resource for those parents, then I think it makes a big difference. So one of the, the things I really want to work on and then in the next term, should the, the citizens of Howard County allow me to do so, is to figure out how we can do more to help these students achieve and to have what they need. We've also been working with the school system to make sure we have uh, uh, summer food programs because a lot of these students get food in the school year because they get a breakfast, they get lunch, and then when summertime comes, they don't have it anymore. Well, they still need food. Sure. And so the, the school system has a good program for summer, summer lunch program, but we started something called Weekend Warriors. So every Friday, the kids who would come in, they get a backpack with food that would carry them through the weekend. And then we provide that from Howard County thinking, hey, this is one more thing we can do for them. And we didn't, you know, we don't, you know, screen people. It's like, you come up, you get one, you know. And so we're trying to do whatever we can to provide the resources we can for them. And we're also working on some mentoring in the Oakland Mills area. Uh, we're kind of focusing on Oakland Mills right now to, to provide some leadership groups there and to work with the community groups to provide more resources to people. And so those are the kind of things I want to make sure we get done. I mean, there are a lot more transportation. We could do more with our public transit. You know, Route 32 is being expanded, which I think is important for us yeah, and Howard County. What's the time frame on that, just out of interest, as a nearby yeah. resident? I drive it every day. I live off of 32. Um, Route 32, the, the section from Linden Church to 108 will be completed by the end of this year. Okay. Um, and so we'll have dualization. That should help tremendously at the backup in the mornings. It should help in the evenings as well, but really in the mornings for sure. I know that Governor Hogan has a plan to get it dualized already to Route 70 in the next three or four years. So that's important. Route 29 has been approved, which is really important. And that's where on Route 29? Yeah, well, well, just no, it's already been improved a lot. The, the last section right now is from Burtonsville up to, uh, I think, Route 32. And I'm sure that's in a plan in the future for State Highway Administration. Sure. But right now, 32's got a lot better already. Oh, it has. There's no question about yeah. that. And, and, and unfortunately, Howard County, I tell people, here's a little tidbit for, for your listeners. <laughs> Howard County is the only county in Maryland that doesn't touch a Chesapeake Bay or another state. So we are in the heart of Maryland. And the problem is when you're in the heart of Maryland, that means you have to drive through us to go anywhere. And so, you know, 32 goes right through it. So everybody from the western part wants to go to Naples. They come through 32. Everyone north comes through 95. Or 29. Or 29. I mean, and so it's Route 70. And so, you know, we need to make sure that we have those roads well done and, 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 and suitable because it's our folks who face danger because we get on those roads just to go a mile or two down the road. But we have other people flying through there who've been, who are driving across the state. So I want to make sure it's safe for our folks. And those people don't leave 32 to go on 10 Oaks Road or Homewood Road. 
And then they start driving by our elementary schools, and it's like, no, I want to make sure those places are safe for our kids and our families. Let's keep them on the bigger roads. You know, Howard County was designed in an era when the population was mm-hmm. not remotely like it is now. I embrace the fact that it's become such a wonderful and diverse place, mm-hmm. but it also makes it trickier for the road system because essentially public transportation is not as effective mm-hmm. as a lot of places in the state. Well, I'll tell you, when I was 12 years old, I grew up here in Howard County. When I was 12 years old, it was 60,000 people in Howard County. Now we have 320,000. But I will tell you, and I'm glad you said that, we are a welcoming place, and we Very are a place much. that we care about everybody. And, you know, that's one thing I think is really important as we move forward, that people realize that no matter what zip code you live in, you're going to get a good education. No matter how much money you make, you're going to have the resources you need to be successful here. We want to make sure that everyone feels that they are respected and that they are treated with dignity. And that's a really important, whether you're a county employee working with somebody, whether you're a police officer working with somebody. To me, I want to make sure everybody in Howard County knows that they have value, no matter who they are, no matter where they live, no matter what they look like. I want to make sure everybody in Howard County is treated that way because that's something my dad taught me. He was a leader in the civil rights movement back in the 50s and 60s in Howard County, and it's something that I want to continue on forward. I think that that is a wonderful direction to keep on going here in Mm -hmm. Howard County. And I'd like to thank you very much, Alan, for appearing on Everyday Law today. We hope to have you back as the year progresses. Happy New Year to you and everybody else, and thank you very much. This has been Everyday Law. I'm your host, Bob Clark. We'll see you next episode. Goodbye.